0: Hello, Welcome to Into the Fire, a Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series.
1: Hi, this is Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theater Company, and uh, I would like to welcome everyone to our podcast series, Into the Fire, a podcast on all things theatrical. Today, our guest is Michael Pavelka, who um, designed the first production in England of Lauren Gunderson's play, I and You, uh, at the Hampstead Theater. I and You is running here at Burning Coal, October 7th through 24th, uh, directed by Lucy Jane Atkinson, who is a fellow Brit. Uh, I don't know, uh, Michael, if you've run across Lucy before, but. Uh, uh, but welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining us.
0: It's a pleasure. it's It's great to chew over um, a production that with a little bit of distance from it. So um, my memory might fade a little um, but I uh, I'm sure we'll when we get stuck in I'll feel like i'm I'm right back there with the team who produced it.
1: Excellent. Well let me start off though uh, just so people can get an idea of who you are and stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about how, where you're from and how you got uh, involved in, uh, you're, you're a scene designer and a costume designer, if I understand correctly. That's
0: right. And that's the way um, design works in the UK, um, for the most part, uh, particularly in, in drama. Um, when it comes to designing larger shows like musicals and operas, um those disciplines are split up between set and costume very often but for drama yeah the, the designer's responsible for the um the vision if you will uh, the the visual vision at least um, of the whole production so very much a uh, partner in crime with the director in uh, making a world for the play
1: Right, and how did you come to that discipline? Uh, is that something you wanted to be from the get-go, or did you uh, find your way to it uh, through another route, or how did how did that come about?
0: Um, I think, like a lot of designers, I'm a kind of frustrated actor in some respects, and um, acted as a as a teenager um, in local dramatic societies and and um, Kind of after school club at high school.
1: Where were you, where, was in, where were you brought up? Then?
0: I was. I have a Czech name. I had a Czech father, an English mother, uh-huh. um, but I was brought up in in England. I was born in England and um, brought up in Kent, which is about thirty miles out of London. So I'm a southerner, uh-huh. um, a S- southeasterner, to be more, more precise, Me and. Too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of the States, I presume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, I, I, I guess I caught the bug. You know, I just enjoyed being um, a storyteller, being, uh, possibly being the centre of attention, um, but certainly being, um, you know, the mouthpiece for an author. and um, And I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed art and I enjoyed history. Um, and I enjoyed technical drawing, drafting. Um, and my schooling was really to prepare me for the, for the Navy, uh, for the technical aspects of, of the Navy. Um, and I just had more of an artistic bent than that. But I, I used the, those drawing skills in, in drafting for scenery after that. Um, so anyway, those things came together and it was a kind of perfect storm for me. Um, I went to art college and then specialised in art college, trained at Wimbledon School of Art, Wimbledon where the tennis is played, yeah. um, but it's also yeah. one of the top um, um, and most influential uh, courses for, for all-round theatre design and, um, uh, and that's where I started and um, I'm so glad I, I stuck with it.
1: We have in the States, we have the Rhode Island School of Design and um, the Savannah College of Art and Design, a little bit closer to us. Uh, and a lot of uh, people who start off uh, sort of with a vague idea that they're interested in visual art uh, end up uh, doing design either for, for stage or television and film. Was there an influence in your early life that led you in that direction? Um, A designer or a teacher that uh, encouraged you in that in that way? Uh,
0: I trained in the 1970s, late 1970s, early 1980s, Um, and possibly the most uh, influential one of the most influential designers at the time um, was Ralph Mm Coltai, and Ralph. Um, was a, a fantastic risk taker and experimenter, sculptor with um, contemporary materials. That's how he kind of um, made his mark. Um, and although I didn't follow in his footsteps in that regard, I, I had a very different approach to theater making. I was also, also, also simultaneously um, blown away by um, his use of space. Um, and the interplay of light and the materials that he used, and the fact that he could make an abstract world work for um, just about any piece of drama or opera. Um, And it's acceptable to make an abstract world for opera Mm -hmm. to some degree because the music carries it. But to, um, to build a world in which actors can speak um and tell stories but also uh, give the audience a a painterly um sculptural um, state walk away with and to hold in their heads and to make that play memorable with was a was a was a conjuring trick which i uh which i really envied and um uh wouldn't even want to emulate And so I I think his illness from my work um, made him special to me.
1: You've you've worked at a lot of different levels. You've done shows for the National Theater, for the Royal Shakespeare Company, both of which have uh, very large uh, venues, Um, but you've also worked at smaller companies. Uh, You've worked with Propeller, which is the company, the all-male Shakespeare company, I guess, that Edward Hall runs, uh, Peter Hall's son. Can you talk about the experience of working with on a large canvas? Like I imagine the RSC or the national provided versus a smaller, maybe a touring uh, company like Propeller.
0: I think um, Propeller started small, Mm -hmm. uh, but I Mm -hmm. think it, uh, it told tall stories in an epic way. And and it's very much a a person-to-person experience. We actually played on large stages. I mean, we we played on large stages in the States. We played Bam Mm -hmm. and the Harvey Um, in Brooklyn. We played um, the Chinese National Theater. We played um, Ann Arbor. We played um, Mm. big outdoor venues. And um, so I'd say um, <clears throat> there was a challenge within that of making an intimate, uh, making a, a space intimate enough to tell a story on a very personal level from a chorus of, in my case, guys. Um, mm-hmm. But taking on a large audience um, and making that as kind of personal and um, live as possible. Um I don't know, I think, I think the main difference is the organization
1: mm-hmm. that,
0: you're, that you're grappling with, um, a big organization uh, of technicians, of, of management, of um, a financial envelope to work with, with these larger companies. And that comes with its own challenges. Um, with Propeller, we, we, we always had very short lines of communication and that made for a very dynamic process, particularly in the, in the mm-hmm. rehearsal room. Um, and um, it meant I could take more risks, and I could leave decisions later, which is great fun. Um, with the larger company, you have to plan ahead, and sometimes that can uh, that can um, slow process down and make the uh, the ideas more less flexible, less mm-hmm. fluid. Right. Uh, yeah, more sort of monumental. Um, so it's not about the space the organisation. I see behind that space for me you know.
1: and then uh, then when you get to a, a space like the hampstead which is which is a fixed uh, space you know they do all of their shows or almost all of their shows in the one one of the two venues in their building but um but i imagine uh the, there is some um um um, hoops to be jumped through uh, as well when you're working at a at a company like that. Even though the the landscape that you or the the canvas that you're working on is is smaller, um, was that the first time you had worked at a theater um, of that size, or had you had you had experience working at two or three hundred seat theaters prior to that?
0: I've had experience in just about every every format Um, and actually i cut my teeth on designing for new writing in a flexible space so you know in my early years i tried to be as inventive with space as possible and using all sorts of different audience configurations uh, traverse to end on to in the round or more arena or what you might call arena yeah. theatre yeah. um, and um, and then applied all of those experiences to to larger venues. Actually, Hampstead, um, although the seating capacity seems um, modest on the on the outside, it is actually quite a flexible space, and it mm-hmm. was designed as such very successfully. So, um, yeah. for you, however, uh, it was useful to. Push the action back into a more um, uh, proscenium, if you will, end on um, mm-hmm. seating arrangement um, because of um, because of the the tricks the play has to perform. So, yeah. um, so I, like I, I I I resign myself to that very early on. Uh, and that's like
1: fine. A, <laughs> this may seem like a, a trivial question, but I'm curious. Do you concern yourself with what has gone on in that space before when you're designing for them?
0: I don't personally, but I was working with Edward Hall, who uh, was the artistic director of the Propeller Company, as you said, and he asked me to design um, four of his last shows um, during his, um, his tenure there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was aware of his history with the space and of the space. And so I think he was probably more attuned to um, what the audience could expect or what they would least expect, particularly with this play. Yeah, And, um, and so I, I would um, tune into that and try and sort of work with him as the leader of a building. As much as the leader of that production, um, I, I tend not to refer. and actually as, as as a partnership for propeller with with Shakespeare, we tended not to refer to other people's stage work a mm-hmm. bit. I can't remember one conversation little like. You know th- this artist or or that designer or um, we usually use film references if anything rather than stage references mm-hmm. um, so no I don't compare and I certainly don't look back at previous other other people's productions of the same play um, mm-hmm. I tend to try and ignore all stage directions mm-hmm. um, in the piece uh, which made this uh, this Lawrence work all the more um, challenging because I I couldn't uh, I couldn't ignore them.
1: Right, uh, that's right. The play hinges uh, to some degree on uh, that reveal, I guess, uh, toward the end of the play. Uh, I'm just curious, what what were your first thoughts when you got when you were given the play to read? Uh, um, do you do you remember what you thought of it? Uh, <clears throat>
0: Um, I, I do. I, I remember them very well because um, I rarely have quality time to read a script before I have to make a decision whether I'm doing it as a project. I don't spend enough time doing it, and it's, more, it's less by design and more by the force of circumstances. Yeah. I read three quarters of this play first in one sitting. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to me like a, a, a well-intentioned domestic drama, albeit kind of interesting because it's two young people. And I thought, well, my first thought was who they're going to cast. Right. Um, right. I actually found out that quite soon who they were going to cast, so that was fine. But, um, but in the moment of that first reading, I, I, I didn't understand the point of it. And so it was a mystery to me. And and I rang Ed up and I said, well, this is this looks like a very interesting play. I didn't read the end. Uh, I did not read the end. And um, so it's 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 it was a sobering experience when I when Ed said, Well, I think I think you really ought to. And I said, well, okay, we're well, fine. Um, and I did, and um, obviously I knew exactly what he meant, but um not on a technical level, I knew exactly what he meant on a on a sort of philosophical level, mm. and and importantly, the 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 viewpoint that the audience have and um, shifts to at the end. Right, um, I thought that was absolutely fascinating, um, and. Um, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm interested. I'm interested to know how other people saw that and and the road or the route, if you like, to finally designing it because I I, I designed it from the point of view of it being if this isn't spoiling things as a memory play um, yeah. and that what appears to be um, a naturalistic world potentially is a fantastical one Um, because it's simply a world of the imagination um, at a very sort of critical point in somebody's life. And that, to me, as a sort of process, as a rerunning the process of Caroline's world and thinking through her her memory of that space was um was key to um, unlocking another another version of her her experience, her experience another version.
1: Yeah. yeah the, the, the what uh, you real, see in, real, in the, real. Uh, real yeah what you see in the in the beginning of the play is is what she remembers uh, not necessarily what what is there, um, and that memory is is affected by what's happening to her as she's having that memory. I, I would expect. Um, um, and you had quite a a, a good uh, success with that uh, with that production. I know that some of the criticism of it was that it relied too much on the the one sort of surprising moment. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on that criticism? Or uh, I know that's the kind of question one might normally ask a writer or a director, but I'm just curious if you have any thoughts about it as the designer of the piece.
0: Um, It's something that I've um, taken with me into one or two projects since, actually, Uh that you can save things up. I've always thought that you can, and actually you have to earn these moments. Mm -hmm. Lauren's built in um uh a hell of a long wait um and a long journey to earn that ending so i i and it, and it is fully that i mean doubly so and i guess my experience of making that piece was that i couldn't live up to her writing i could live up to it technically um i could certainly um fulfill the demands of my imagination of edwards imagination um but always i'm um, away at my self-doubt was whether i could do lauren's um um social conscience if you like justice and um i i think we pulled it off um <laughs> But I still, I still have a nagging doubt that it's kind of, a, it's better on film um, than on than on the stage. But if you can pull it off on stage, it's a miracle. And um, and that's that's really what you, you're you you're designing, and producing is is a miracle, um, not a technical one, but a but a but a, but a, a human miracle. Um, it's a it's a big art.
1: My uh, my very first memory of theater was being taken to a, a touring production of Cinderella when I was quite young, and there was a moment when she changes into the princess and they had a puff of smoke come up at her feet and then she held her arms up. And they flew a dress down from the, wind, you know, the, the uh, pipe, you know, flew down and she, the dress just went over her arms and suddenly she was the, somebody stuck a tiara on her head. And you could see entirely how it was done. I mean, there was no mystery, to, but there was something magical about that. There was something magical, magical about the human effort to make that kind of magic that I, I don't think is possible in film. Um, where we where we fundamentally know that, you know, that they simply cut the camera at that point and then did something else, you know, and so I, I I'm with you on that. I think uh, I think that that kind of stage magic is is not cheap. Um, that it's very, very much a part as much a part of the storytelling as. the the idea of human beings pretending to be other human beings and pretending to say words that aren't that somebody else wrote uh, 300 years ago or something like that. So, um, what's next for you, Michael? Uh, What are you working on now? What do you have coming up down the road?
0: Um, I have a project which I think again is sort of it's um, socially motivated. Uh, It's It's a project that's rooted in the southwest of England and uh, is a chronicle of um, a lifeboat disaster called the Penley Lifeboat Disaster, um, which happened 40 years ago uh, on the 19th of December. And the project, and this is a sort of um, a a product of of lockdown, of COVID, Dictating certain strictures that we will work in
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, the projects to be streamed um, it's essentially a film project mm-hmm. but filmed in an outdoor theater
1: okay.
0: with the weather uh, similar perhaps I but I hope not as um, uh, not as um, horrific as the, the weather that's the lifeboat. And the boat that they were trying to save mm-hmm. encountered. Um, but the interesting thing about this is that um, I'll be designing for for the camera, and that will then hopefully inform a stage production of it. So rather than um, filming as a sort of an archive or filming as a streamed event um, as an afterthought, this is very much integrated into the process of uh, of creating a piece of live theatre. Hmm. So it's very interesting, and it's it's a sort of um, uh, um, yeah, a kind of bastard child of of uh, other projects that I've been working on during lockdown, which have been a kind of hybrid. And yeah. this this has now flipped flipped our process full um, uh, mm-hmm. fully over to to, to be a, a theatre piece from film. So it's it's interesting.
1: Yeah. Is there a, a writer associated with that project, a playwright? A-
0: um, well, uh, funnily enough, just before this interview, I was working with with the writer um, and director and producer on a four-way Zoom call to unpick the existing script and then and re- then remodel it. Um, so it's a it's a collaborative effort. Uh, it's a team effort, and I'm really enjoying being in on the on the ground floor of this project and helping bring visual aspects to it uh, and but that being integrated into the writing and um uh that's very satisfying uh yeah and it's kind of takes me back to what i was saying but it takes me back to my roots sure. uh, with new writing
1: in smaller venues It's uh, it's something a, a lot of uh, theater people uh, no matter which uh, function they serve are, are dealing with or trying to deal with these days and hoping like heck they don't have to deal with much anymore but uh but uh, that's, uh, that sounds like a fascinating project. Uh, I will look forward to it. Will it be available on, uh, on a website, or uh, is it going to be televised, or how, how will it be made available?
0: It'll be on the web. Um, it'll be a one-off, live one-off. Uh-huh. Um, then I, I'm anticipating, we're anticipating that it'll be, um, it'll be passed through a post-production process, and then, then it'll be available. Um, other times but
1: pay per view, I expect is, is the way it'll go. Do you know what uh, the what the website or what the theater's name is that we could look for it?
0: I can't. It's on the. It's it, it'll be staged at the Minac but it's not a Minac show. It's oh, yeah. the original theatre production company, the original theatre production company, um, who are now past masters at um, integrating film product with with stage um, as a necessity, but they're the the um, they have become one of the leading companies in, in, um, in this um, sort of dual uh, way of, of reaching new audiences. And yeah. um, that's a, a, a positive uh, product, I think, of, of, of our situation over the last 18 months.
1: I think the... And, uh,
0: and indeed, IMU was tel- was, well, wasn't, wasn't filmed. It was filmed. It was filmed for, for Instagram. Yeah, um, and um, that was an interesting um, layer to that production. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right in that, uh, as it was filmed and as I watched it, um, my work in that was—I'm uh, was saying it was devalued. Was is it sounds intentional? It wasn't intentionally um, sidelined at all, but because of the close-up and because of that. Ability for a camera to move in to an actor, mm-hmm. the the world around that actor was um, um, counted for very little. <laughs> so all of the magic that we performed in the theatre was certainly not captured um, on that Instagram recording. Um, also, that it was it was filmed for the portrait, for, filmed for mobile phones, uh, so it was yeah. filmed in portrait. Right. The landscape of the piece in its broadest sense the landscape of the piece um w- w- you couldn't see it you couldn't see it right. um, so uh so not satisfying from my point of view and I, I don't think as satisfying
1: for the audience um as a theatrical event i watched their, great to see later. I watched their uh, their production of mike bartlett's wild on on my cell phone uh, and uh, there's a vast, uh, enormous reveal at the end of that play, too, or, or change, a shift in focus that uh, took my breath away, even looking at it on a phone. But but I think that was probably prepared with that in mind more, more so than doing it as an afterthought. So, yeah. Um, Michael, uh, this has been a lovely conversation. Uh, I appreciate your taking the time out of what I'm sure is a busy schedule to to talk with us about it. Uh, We uh, we love the play. We start rehearsal this evening, uh, September 14th, and we'll open and run October 7th through the 24th here at Burning Coal. And we are going to make it available uh, digitally as well so people can get tickets for the live event or if they choose to go that route, they can see it uh, in two dimensions as well. Michael has just given us all a good argument why not to do that, but, uh, but uh, you can do it if you, if you feel like you must. Uh, Michael, thank you. Um, best wishes on all things going forward, and we appreciate your joining us today.
0: Thank you. All the very best for the production. Thank you for listening. Our production of i and will run from October 7th through October 24th. For tickets and information, visit us at burningcoal.org or give us a call at 919-834-4001. Burning Coal's production of INU is sponsored by The Classical Station. Listen at 89.7 FM or online at theclassicalstation.org.